Two Dead Girls in Jubilee contains material that may be upsetting to some audiences, including sudden loud noises, adult language, and depictions of murder and suicide. For more information, please find us on Instagram at Two Dead Girls Pod. That's the number two Dead Girls Pod. August 10th, 1997. It's been two days since Jesse Kaplan's murder. 25 minutes since I left Pa shooting at nothing in particular. Pick up your feet. I am. And straighten your dress. It's straight. Why couldn't I just wear those sweatpants? Listen to me. From now on, people are going to look at you. It's not fair, but it's true. And when they look, they'll judge. You, me, your father. They know you aren't responsible. None of us are, but when they see those sweatpants, they'll think, my God, those Abernathy's let their girls run wild. And they will let themselves think this couldn't happen to them. From now on, every second of every day will be about Annie. And the way those people see us will decide if she gets justice. If Paul gets justice. Do you understand? Yes. Good. Now, come on. Looks like it already started. The auditorium of American Legion Post 314 is the biggest room in Jubilee. And in a year without a murder, only one thing fills it. So as I scan the crowd, the town councilors, Craig Donnelly, I half expect someone to announce, B6, B6. And then a chorus of old women screaming bingo. Folks, is that it? Folks, folks, listen. This will work better if we go one at a time. It's easy for you to say, Rufus. You don't have girls. If you think that those of us with boys were no children at all, the truth. Sheriff Donnelly, the truth. Sheriff Donnelly will present additional That's information bullshit. when it's when it's available. It would seem a bingo is not forthcoming. Instead, I'm reminded of another big room gathering, the Halloween social, and something my grandma said. When panic goes trick-or-treating, it dresses up as anger and doesn't fool a one. As Ma observes from our place in the back, my eyes find Sue Kaplan, my mother's counterpart in grief, the woman who called me lucky back in Ernie's diner, now sits with her head bowed, perhaps 30 feet away. She is adorned in black lace and white jewelry, an ensemble my own mother could not even possibly afford. She is surrounded by her college-educated husband, their well-to-do friends. Ma tried to tell me, in her way, but I was much older before I understood all this, the social dynamics that differentiated the Kaplan's grief from ours. Standing at the back of the American Legion in 1997, I knew only that Jesse's death had filled the bingo room, and that Annie's death had not. It is at that moment, as if summoned, 
that Mrs. Kaplan looks straight at me. On instinct, I squeeze Ma's hand, and just like that, they're eye to eye. Opposite in every way, except as mothers of daughters who will never grow up. What you just heard was Sue Kaplan's exit, and what you're about to hear is ours. Coming, didn't I? For those things I said at Ernie's? Go ahead. You of all people should get to tell me that I deserve this. No. Nobody deserves it. I just keep thinking how could someone. How could anyone. I know. <laughs> me too. What are we gonna do? You want them to remember Jesse, don't you? Of course. Not to take my hand. Let's go back in there together. Those people, they're divided, scared, but they'll follow us. Let's make sure Annabelle and Jesse are the last two girls who lose their lives in Jubilee. Oh, Brenda, where do you find the strength? Do you think anything stronger than your love for your daughter? I guess not. Wrong. But only just. What's stronger? Yours? Yours and mine together. Dry those tears. If you cry, they win. We're not going to let them win. Tonight's top story, a deadly storm, a missing girl, and in Jubilee, Indiana, a homicide investigation. Annabelle was this beautiful, innocent little girl. Well, beautiful is a stretch. Hang, hang on, are you recording this? We're learning a second girl, Jessica Kaplan, has been found dead. With no wiggle room for gut instincts. And anyway, this wasn't anything concrete, just a confluence of coincidence. Conspiracy. That's what I say. Goddamn conspiracy. 33% of murders in this country are never solved. Any reasonable person can say that he's no criminal mastermind. I mean, double homicide? Hey, hang on, Ronnie. Your partner was gone the day Annie went missing. Wayne Harmon, okay? Jesse Kaplan's uncle? This is Two Dead Girls in Jubilee. Chapter 8. Bingo. County Road 19. Liam and I are on the way to Jubilee Acres. I have Birdo double booked, running background on Wayne Harmon, and vetting rumors about Liam's wife. You all right? Barely said a word since I picked you up. Got a lot on my mind. If that's code for yesterday coming out here without you, I just want to say... It's not. I'm over it. There's the sign. The sign, a lurching sun-bleached billboard, proclaims the turnoff for Jubilee Acres Mobile Estates, an affordable lease on the American dream. 
It's hard to imagine, as the archetype of Corn Belt decay unfolds ahead, but there was once a certain community pride out here. A place for migrant farmers and quarry boomtimers, blue-collar dreamers who clogged I-64 with a parade of 12-wide prefabs, people grasping at the idea of a home to call their own, even if they leased the land it sat on. That was 1980, before Agrawise and Alan Whitmayer swept in, before the quarry closed. Only after did it become apparent that screwing the wheels back on a 12-wide cost as much as buying it in the first place. By 1997, when Wayne and Ronnie were operating a small-time criminal enterprise, Jubilee Acres was in a spiral. Today, only a scattering of tenants remain between numerous foreclosed trailers and empty lots. Wayne Harmon's among them. Please don't say we came all the way out here with the wrong key. Key works, but nobody said anything about a combo lock. Maybe there's a window. If it's the whole dinner thing that's bothering you, I can cancel. That's not the problem. So there is a problem. Here we go. Boost me? wants to climb through that window. You're referring to the graffiti or the rat droppings? Anything? Empty. Closet? Just this. This, for the record, is an amateur magazine. Adorned with images of girls in scanty school uniforms. I'm gonna check the kitchen. alive, he's very much off the grid. Nothing? No employment records, no loan or lease apps, no car insurance, no health insurance, no life insurance. Uh, there is one item of interest. Okay. Let me see here. Uh, 1996. A complaint is filed against Wayne by a neighbor, Mary, um, Marianne Warwick, claimed he strangled her dog. Huh. Huh? That's all you have to say? It's terrible, but interesting. Did you find something better? Still looking. We, um, had a little trouble with the door. What about, um, the other thing? You're more worried about Liam's wife than Wayne Harmon, aren't you? Did you look it up or not? 
That article is trash. The writer, a conspiracy blogger, mixes up her facts on half a dozen points. And Nika, she has a record herself, you know. Two counts petty theft. And she was reported missing once in 2001. She just walked out of her foster home in New Jersey. Never went back. That's all good context, but it's not really the point. What is the point? Did they find a body? Myra. I get it. There are plenty of web pages like that about Annie, but I, I'm telling you, this stinks. How do you have a suicide without an obituary? Without a body? If there is even a ghost of a chance that he... That Liam was involved in her death, or covering it you, up... You know what? This was a mistake. What was? Yeah, you're sending you the background check that started you down this road. It was invasive. I just want to know if he's telling the truth. No. You want to catch him in a lie so that you don't have to be friends with him. Myra? Uh, I've got to go. Uh, hang on, wait. You sure you're all right? Yeah. <clears throat> Did you find something? Liam gestures towards the refrigerator. The door is covered with faded newspaper clippings. Jesse's disappearance. News about the ongoing investigation. There's a real stinker from the Inquirer. And angel slayings are aliens to blame. Worse things were written, believe it or not. But I remember this one enraging Ma. The fact that Jesse's face was on the cover, and Annie's on page eight. It all frames a weathered drawing. Stick figure girl holding hands with stick figure man. Based on the towering curls of the former, I can only conclude I'm looking at a self-portrait. That's Jesse Kaplan. And that's good old Uncle Wayne. There's, um, something else. In the living room. Right? Explains the empty closet. The last room in the trailer is as full as the first was empty. Hoarder piles of clothes spiral like a Halloween corn maze. I imagine Ronnie racing here on the night of Annie's murder after robbing the Jenkins pharmacy, only to find nobody home. Or at least, nobody answering the door. Of all the dumps to drink a warm beer and count your take, this has got to be the dumpiest. I shuffle sideways into the maze, noticing the piles of clothes aren't as random as they first seemed. T-shirts here, miners' coveralls there. The piles are messy, but the sorting is precise. By cut, by cloth. All of it bearing the grease-stained, grimy brown sameness of a blue-collar life in Jubilee. All of it Except, there, on the coffee table. Is that? Woman's clothes. Girl's clothes. Maybe we should. Shh. Did you hear that? Hear what? There's someone at the door. Get behind me.
Hi, Myra. Liam and I stand on a patch of crabgrass in front of Wayne's, conversing with statue park gardener Oscar Stilwell. That's your walk on the door. A lot of folks getting up to trouble in that trailer. Got tired of watching the super and the bank and the sheriff do nothing about it. So you thought we were vandals? <laughs> Certain cosmic balance, isn't it? I live down there, Mom's trailer. Mine, now. She's eight years gone. Mr. Stilwell, has Wayne been back here recently? No. Is that funny? No. Just... I'd be very surprised if that man was still alive. Spend your whole life as a cheat and a liar, eventually you cross somebody who don't abide. What's with the clothes in there? Why exactly you two here? I, uh, got a complaint. You know, like you said, about squatters. That could explain why you're here, Sheriff. But with Myra Abernathy instead of a deputy? No. I reckon you came here for the same reason Ed did. You think Wayne Harmon's a serial killer. Did, did you talk to him? Myra. Did he say if he, if he found anything? He sure tore them closets to shreds. Did a number with all those clothes, but... No. I don't think he found anything. I reckon Wayne Harmon turned out to be a dead end. Ma? We're here! There you are. The guests of honor. Hi, Mrs. Abernathy. Hello, dear. And don't you look fancy. Well, except Myra. Thanks, Ma. Real nice. Hey, um, brought a bottle of wine. What's for dinner? Why don't you all come into the kitchen and I'll show you. Coming! You coming? I actually... I'm gonna go up and change. <laughs> Give her one less thing to complain about. Okay. I called the station for you, Sheriff. Heard you were out at the Makers. Hey, Birdo. By the time I get off the phone and get back downstairs, a cardigan cast over the worst of the water stains in my funeral dress. Liam, Maisie, and Ma are gathered around the big kitchen island. Initiative for foundation. I'm blown away. I mean, seriously. The statue part. Did you raise the money? Myra. Your mom's making meatloaf. She cleans up nice, doesn't she, Sheriff? Yeah, of course. Maze, one more cracker, and that's it. Save room for dinner. She doesn't feed me. I start. <laughs> I find that highly unlikely. Anyway, I publicized the idea for the park. Well, Sue and I, but it was funded by an anonymous donation. Huh. You know that? No. In Baltimore, when something tragic happened, you know, somebody went missing or got, you know, you know, people just went inside and locked the doors. Not here. 
first I thought it was just a small town thing. I'm beginning to think it's a you and Mrs. Kaplan thing. Well, we tried to hold things together. Honor the memory of our girls. In Baltimore, sometimes the cops are probably in on it. Uh, uh, yeah, I guess. Did you work any of those cases? Myra, what's gotten into you? I'm gonna get some more crackers. What was that about? You've been acting weird all day. You might as well tell me. Did your wife really kill herself? What? I know there's no death certificate, Liam. When someone commits suicide, they usually find the body. Why do I get the feeling you're accusing me of something? I'm not. Not yet. Wow. You have to know there are allegations out there about her disappearance, about you. You didn't know her. You don't know the first thing about any of this. Was there an investigation? Of course. Were you a suspect? Of course. You saw what happened to your father. You all people ought to know what happens when a woman vanishes. Not remotely the same. The guys digging through your dirty laundry were your friends. Well, it didn't feel like it. They marked the case a probable suicide, with virtually no physical evidence. It fit the fact pattern. Oh, it benefited you. Virtually exonerated you. It stopped an investigation short of the truth. If you didn't do anything wrong, why did you leave Baltimore? I was running from heartache. I thought you could understand that. So you're innocent. I could have done things differently. I could have been a better husband, a better friend. I could have opened my eyes and realized that she was unhappy, that she was teetering on a cliff. And maybe that would have changed the entire arc of history. So I'm almost certainly not blameless. But in the way you're asking, yes, I'm innocent. And I just take your word for it. That's how friendship works, Myra. You either trust people or you don't. Here. What? Crackers. Life is like a game of bingo. You've got this little grid of squares. They describe your past, present, and future. Every action, every possibility. B7, win the lottery. G40, die of cancer. The invisible guy in the sky draws the ping pong balls. And as he calls out numbers, you struggle. We all struggle. Find meaning in the pattern to decide if there is any pattern at all. B2, your sister dies. I-25, her chair sits empty for a decade. And then, G57, not knowing any better, a little girl takes her seat. And the world turns on indifferently. Can I have the middle piece? Say please. Please. <laughs> mm. Wow. 
The texture is incredible. We root for that elusive space in the center of the board. The one we think will solve all our problems. And the rooting, that gives you the illusion of control. N41, you catch a killer. But the guy in the sky picks the numbers. And bingo comes from nowhere, if it ever comes at all. You know, I have a theory about that money for the statue park. There was this woman. Rumor was she had a heap of stocks in General Electric from her second husband. But her son, a friend of Ed's way back when, he kept on just the same when she passed. No fancy car, no big house, no new clothes. If you ask me, he passed that money on. An act of contrition. Somebody who wished they'd done more in Ed's darkest hour. Exactly which of Pa's friends are we talking about here? Well, I prefer not to say. It was an anonymous donation, after all. But I'll give you a clue. He doesn't share the name because of the second marriage. But the woman's name was Warwick. There's a piece of bingo slang. Just practicing. It's a needle aimed at the inevitable gun jumper, who realizes after shouting bingo, they've got measly four in a row. I learned young that when you think you've got a winner, you do two things. Shut your mouth, check your card. Marianne Warwick, the woman who said Wayne strangled her dog. How's that for confluence of coincidence? Ma? Who are we talking about here? It could be important. For something Liam's working on. Really, Sheriff? What's that? It's, uh... it's county business, Ma. He can't talk about it. Well, you clearly told Myra. He's a blabbermouth when he has a crush on someone. <laughs> well, I'll give you one more clue. The other reason I felt confident in my theory is that the same day the cash arrived by anonymous letter... This friend of Ed's turned up at Sue Kaplan's house, says he's heard about the park, that he can't afford to contribute, but if we happen to raise the money, he'd like to volunteer as groundskeeper. And he did. He's done it for 20 years. Oscar Stilwell, the only man who seemed sure in July of 97 that Pa was not a killer. Where did that confidence come from? That remorse? I think of him lurking outside Pa's wake, of seeing his ghost outside Pa's window, of our coincidental run-ins. Has he been surveilling me? I remember Ronnie's story about getting sideswiped near the scene of Annie's abduction, and the way Oscar leans out of his window to check for traffic because he's missing a driver's side mirror. Could he have been so stupid, so brazen, not to repair it all these years? If Oscar Stilwell practiced strangling girls by going to work on the family dog, Marianne Warwick's dog, could there be a better scapegoat than his reviled neighbor, Wayne Harmon? Bingo. Myra, you all right? 
We ran into Oscar today. He said he spoke to Pa... just before Pa died. Well, I hope they made their peace. Back before Annie, they used to be thick as thieves. Two Dead Girls in Jubilee was written, directed, and produced by Ethan Wellen. It stars Emily Goss as Myra, Zachary Cantrell as Liam, Susan Harmon as Brenda, Marcelo Tubert as Berto, John Ali as Oscar, Haley Kewen as Maisie, Carrie Gutierrez as Young Myra, Kitty Swink as Sue, original score by Kevin Hutchins, Associate Producer, Emily Goss. Associate Producer, Zachary Cantrell. One Eye Open was written and recorded by Andrea Perez and Peyton Widener. Thanks to Kat, Ron, The Evans, Monisha, Jack, David, and Tyler, without whom there could be no Jubilee. If you enjoyed listening, Please rate and review on Apple Podcasts or tell a friend. For cast bios, episode transcripts, and more, find our little town on Instagram at Two Dead Girls Pod. That's at the number two Dead Girls Pod. Thanks. Two Dead Girls in Jubilee is a work of fiction. Any resemblance to real events or to persons living or dead is purely coincidental.